welcome to the sanctuary a safe space to speak from the heart i'm your host israel and my guest today is the founder and ceo of wordcraft ingridion thanks for coming to the sanctuary today ingrid oh thanks for having me this is super exciting how's your day been uh good i just onboarded a new team member today so that was oh. super fun okay 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 so you know um in in i was having a discussion with my friend over the weekend and uh we're talking about you know the pandemic has brought a lot of not very good things but on the other side it has also brought some really good things um it has i guess it's like you know we are being put right by the fire and you either become uh you know you know like you're hardened by it or you melt one or yeah. two <laughs> So, True. so yeah, um, you know, first off, congratulations on the onboarding presence because that's me, you. you are handling more than you could before, so you needed to bring someone on. That's um, right. that, that's great, expansion is good. But let's go back to the beginning like, um, what were you doing before Wordcraft? Oh, um, I wore a lot of different hats. <laughs> um, I started my career as a journalist. So I went to school, uh, got a bachelor of, bachelor of Journalism and started working in newspaper and radio uh, and did that for about five years. I worked at mm. CBC Radio and worked in different newspapers in Nova Scotia and New Brunswick. Mm. And then I moved back to rural Nova Scotia. So right now I'm in Yarmouth County, Nova Scotia. Um, and as you can imagine, there are not a lot of jobs in journalism in rural Nova Scotia. So, mm -hmm. so I kind of had to pivot and I took a bunch of different jobs. I was, I worked in politics for a little while. I managed- Politics? What are you doing politics? <laughs> I worked for the provincial NDP caucus oh, okay. um, and I was an outreach officer. So I, that was, again, a whole lot of other hats that I wore. So I did like some communications and some like finding candidates, uh, helping people navigate being candidates, uh, like polling analysis, all kinds of different mm. things. It was just kind of the junk drawer of jobs. You just sort of did, <laughs> <laughs> you did whatever no one else wanted to do. <laughs> <laughs> Um, yeah, and I managed a farmer's market and I worked in a museum and I was uh, an interpreter at a historical village. Like French to English? <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Doing, okay. yeah, bilingual. Um, and so, yeah, so I did all kinds of different things. Um, at one point in that career trajectory, I became a single mom. So I, uh, yeah, I was suddenly... My ex-husband left and I was a single mom of a three-year-old. And so at that point, I really needed to hustle. And so I was working at a museum at the time. Wait, you uh, weren't hustling before? I was definitely hustling before, but I had to hustle even more. <laughs> oh, okay. All right. Okay. Okay. <laughs> like, That's <what>? funny. <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I was definitely hustling. I always did something. But mm. yeah, um, I had to like wear more than one hat at the same mm. time. So I was working at a museum and in the mornings I was calling the police and fire departments to find out if anything newsworthy happened overnight. Oh. Um, because I would write those little like four inch briefs in the newspaper in the Chronicle Herald. 
Um, so I did that every morning from 8 to 10 a.m., then worked in a museum for the rest of the day, and then wrote knitting patterns and knit things <laughs> because I'm also a knitter. And so I mm. needed to make some extra money somehow. So I sold knitting patterns online and sold some of the hats and scarves and mitts and things that I was knitting online too. So I was a single mom working three well, jobs. Was the knitting like selling on Etsy? Yeah, yeah. Oh, okay. And I still have like a lot of my patterns listed online. So every now and then I sell a pattern. I get an email saying someone bought one of my patterns. It's, you know, a tiny little bit amount of money that I make. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. But yeah, so that's like, so that's what I was doing before I got into social media. Um, mm -hmm. While I was working those three jobs, I was constantly looking for a job where I'd be writing again. Um, and so I was applying to all kinds of different things. And I applied to a job as a social media coordinator at an agency in Halifax, a digital marketing agency. And I ended up getting that job. Nice. So because I was a single mom and I shared custody of my son, I wasn't able to move to Halifax. So I hmm. negotiated a, a deal where I worked for this agency um, but I was only in Halifax one day a week. And so I worked from home in Yarmouth County the rest of the week. So I was working from home before it was cool. Mm, <laughs> before everyone yeah, else was doing yeah, it. Yeah, 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 yeah. So yeah, when this lockdown happened, I was very used to being like, a remote worker. Oh, this is worker. just Tuesday. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> totally normal. <laughs> um, yeah, so I worked at that agency for three and a half years. Um, started How was that experience? It was, it was great. It was, you know, great. And it was not great at some times, but. <laughs> I, I, like I, towards the ending or. Um, so that agency sort of, it, it, it's been, in, it's had its ups and it's had its downs. Um, when I first joined, they had a lot of clients and they were doing really well. There were a lot of staff. Uh, we had locations in Halifax and Toronto and New York. Um, Whoa. Yeah, so it was a pretty big agency at the time. Nice. And it was a lot of fun because I got to work with tons of different clients working on all kinds of different projects. What so what would you do there? Like, what would a typical day be like? Um, since when I started out as a social media coordinator, a lot of what I was doing was answering messages and comments on social media. So it's like customer mm -hmm. service kind of type stuff. Um, but I loved it. Like it was the most satisfying thing because with social media, um, com like community management or engagement or whatever you want to call it, essentially customer service on social media. Um, usually you you use a program like a piece of software where all of the different comments from your different accounts come into one inbox. So oh. it makes it more efficient to manage. Yeah. So as you answer the comments, is, you, com you the, complete them. What are some of the apps called though? Uh, there's all kinds of different ones. Uh, when I started, I was using Sprinkler. Um, oh. And that was that was a great one, but it's very expensive. Mm. Um, it was too expensive for Nestle Canada. So that kind of gives what? you the... <laughs> kind of tells you how expensive it is <laughs> that's crazy yeah nestle stopped using it because it was too expensive so 
Damn it. I know. <laughs> so funny, right? Um, so I uh, so I also used uh, Sprout Social. That's my favorite one. I still use Sprout. There's mm-hmm. like Hootsuite that a lot of people know of uh, because that was one of the first ones. Um, you know, there's Buffer, there's Later, there's tons of them. But they all essentially do the same thing. Um, they allow you to see all of the comments in one inbox. They allow you to schedule posts ahead of time so that it saves you time so you're not like posting things every day. Mm. Um, they allow you to pull reports um, on like, you know, the impressions and the reach and the engagement and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So they're super awesome. Um, the uh, So yeah, so when I started, I was doing that and it was so satisfying because when you answer a comment you complete it and it disappears from that inbox so it's like crossing things off of your to-do oh, list like all day yeah, long yeah 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 nice. i loved it i like there was it, it's just so satisfying and the fact that you know the answer to like usually you have an faq doc or something where you have all the answers to the questions and you know you're helping people you're answering their questions it's like mm, it's very satisfying it just feels good <laughs> <laughs> so, on a typical day how many of those things would you get like oh my gosh so oh many. and it's not just one company right you know yeah so, so when i started i was pretty much just working on nestle which is Nestle's huge, right? So there's there were, I think there were like 18 different brands on social media. Like there's Kit Kat, there's Gerber, there's Delicio, there's Lean Cuisine, there's they Boost, have water like, too. Yeah, all the water companies, San Pellegrino, Perrier, like loads of different brands. Mm. Um, so you can imagine how many comments and questions and private messages and stuff would come in. It was just it was constant. Um, but so satisfying again because yeah. you just answer <laughs> everything. Like, ding, I'm pretty yeah. low. Does it do it doing ding? No, no ding. There was no ding, but you know, you <laughs> felt that ding of dopamine. <laughs> yeah. So that's how I started. And then as I like moved up the ranks a little bit, my manager ended up leaving. So I stepped into the manager of social role. Um, mm. and I ended up managing people in Halifax. And in Toronto from my home in Yarmouth County. Nice. <laughs> Which was awesome. Like it was such a... Well, what would you be doing that role? So I was overseeing the people who were answering all of those messages. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, giving them advice and stuff. And I was also creating like social media strategies for companies. Um, writing content for, for different companies. Uh, social media writing campaigns okay so i'm sorry but it sounds like you were having a ball like an amazing time so why did you decide to leave um a bunch of different reasons so uh one one of the big things that happened is that at one point the agency so we had a client in the in the cannabis uh industry um like this is going way back before legalization mm-hmm. um, when it was just medical cannabis. And it was it was a challenging client, I'll say that. Because <laughs> the industry was a bit of a mess, um, still is today, mm-hmm. just because it was so new and there were like regulations and no one really knew what the regulations were and it was really hard to do marketing. So 
yeah, it was kind of the Wild West. And then at one point, because we got really good at doing marketing for cannabis, um, it was hard, but we were, you know, we were pretty good at it. Uh, the agency decided to put all of its eggs in the cannabis basket. Like, so at one point they were like, we're just going to concentrate on being an agency for cannabis companies. Do we and, uh, social media, please, oh. digital people, okay. <laughs> and, you know, there's one thing like being good at it because we really worked hard and figured out how to do things. You know, that's one thing, but it wasn't easy. And the, the thought of doing digital marketing, social media marketing for more than just that one cannabis company is like gave me palpitations. <laughs> and it even got crazier after legalization like Mm. it seemed like there were even more rules and less certainty about what the rules were Mm. so it it wasn't easy i mean you couldn't post pictures of people you could only post pictures of like things but you couldn't post pictures of product so it was like what are you even posting about it was just (laughs) (laughs) it was crazy so that was one of the things that made me say, okay, I got to get out of here. I got to do something else. I got to do social media marketing for another company that doesn't do cannabis. So, um, not that I have anything against cannabis. Cannabis yeah. is fine. Great. Like, wonderful. But uh, marketing is not easy. <laughs> mm. <clears throat> what was the process then for leaving? Like, did you, you know, <laughs> so... I call this monkey buying where you kind of have your hand on one bar and then you stretch to hold the next bar and then you don't leave this bar until, you know, you actually have a footing before you let go. Was that kind of what happened there? Uh, Yeah. There, you know, there were a bunch of things going on there. So I sort of like decided that I was probably going to start looking for other work. There were a bunch of other people who were leaving at the same time. So some of my favorite people who were working at the agency were leaving. That was another reason. Another reason was that women weren't treated that great there. So as, no a, as a woman, you were definitely being paid less than men. Huh. And I know it's people say like, oh, yeah, there's equal pay now. It's totally not true. Mm. Um, it's It's something that you know, people don't talk a lot about, but as you asked other people, like, how much are you making or whatever? And if you saw people's contracts and stuff, it was became very obvious that women made a lot less than men. Mm. Um, I, you know, I was managing up to 12 people at the time and I made $40,000 a year. So it was not a lot of money. Although it's funny because I was used to being poor. So you know, as I talked about, I was hustling. I was working three jobs to try and support myself and my son. At that time, I was making under $30,000 a year. Like, I was literally a single mother living under the poverty line. Mm. So when I got a job that made more than $30,000 a year, I was just happy to be over the poverty line. But mm. as things progressed, I found out you know, that I was definitely being underpaid, even though I was happy with how much I was being paid because I was able to pay my bills and I had a little bit of extra. I was able to, you know, do a little bit of traveling, not far, but, you know, with my son. Um, Mm -hmm. And so I thought I was doing well, but then other people were saying, yeah, if you're managing 10 to 12 people in two different cities, 
you should be making more than that. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so yeah, those were a bunch of the reasons that I decided to leave. So I was I started looking for work elsewhere. And you know, it was hard because I, again, couldn't really move away. I had to find a job where they would allow me to work remotely. And mm. today, like two years later, it's everyone's <laughs> working remotely. So it would not be hard for me to find a job right now. But then yeah. there were companies, as soon as I said, I can't leave Yarmouth County. I, I can't move away because my son, I share custody. Um, they would say, yeah, we're not hiring someone who's working remotely. And, mm. and it would just end, even though I had all of this great experience. Yeah. Um, yeah. So that was tough. So I ended up finding a job um, being a social media manager for Manulife Bank and worked for them uh, exclusively for about six months and then started my own job, my own company. Okay, so like you did a six months while still there? No, so that I left the agency uh, and worked for Manulife Bank. Um, uh, solely for six oh, oh like and um, so Manulife was the one prep uh, company that was okay with you working from Yama. Yes, yeah, because they're a digital bank, which was great. So pretty much everyone already worked remotely. Mm. It was awesome. So all nice. of my coworkers were in Waterloo, um, and I was in in Yarmouth County. Nice, um, nice. Yeah. So, so you did that for I, six months, and why did you decide to now start your thing? So as I was working for Manulife Bank, I was doing that that monkey bar thing where yeah. I <laughs> I started taking on a few clients on the side, mm -hmm. and um, you know one of the one of my big wins was when I left the agency, started working for Manulife Bank. A few months into that, I ended up talking to Nestle, who, as you'll remember, they were my big client at the agency. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, they asked me to do some work on the side for them. So I took them on as like a freelance client. Okay, pause. So <laughs> like they liked you better than the, the, <laughs> than the, the entity itself. <laughs> well, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I had been working with them for the entire time, the entire like three and a half years that I was with the agency I was the constant like I was working on Nestle that entire time mm. and I helped them hire people internally I helped them train people I did whatever they wanted me to do mm. I did live chat on their website like <laughs> answering the live chat comments in English mm. and French because I'm bilingual mm. so I did that for a few months like for eight hours a day just answering mm. people's comments on live chat because wow. they wanted to try it out as an experiment. So mm. they, you know, they liked me because I did whatever they wanted. Mm. Mm. So when I left the agency, there was not, there wasn't really anyone at the agency who was me, I guess. I don't know. And they were like, oh, where is Ingrid? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, not everyone's, you know, willing to do whatever mm. it takes. And, yeah. but yeah, I don't know. I guess that's just how I am. So they came to me and asked me if I would keep doing some freelance work for them. So I said, mm -hmm. yes. And so they, so I kind of had to start a freelance company. I didn't know that I would eventually like quit my job and do this full time. 
So mm-hmm. I, you know, made a company and made, put a name to it, WordCraft, sure, and took on Nestle as a client and mm-hmm. had like another little, um, a little music label, record label and book publishing company as a client. Okay. And then um, I, I was approached by Cove Kombucha to do their help them with social media. Mm. Um, so as that my my side projects were growing, I didn't really have time for a full time job, and that's when I told Many Life Bank that I was leaving. So I wasn't there for very long, but just six months. But when I told them that I was leaving, I said, "I'm leaving. I'm going to start my own business. You know, I've loved working for you, but." it's time for me to focus full time on my own business. And they said, well, mm-hmm. if you're starting a business, can wow. we be your client? Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I was like, sure. So yeah, so I started my business with Nestle Canada, Manulife Bank, um, also a national company and Cove Kombucha and this Maritimes Music as my clients. So and like awesome. in those early days of Warcraft, you know, leaving uh, Manulife and starting your stuff, uh, you had to do everything yourself, right? Yeah, yeah. Everything. How was that? <laughs> that was one thing that I was I was worried about because, you know, at the agency, there were account managers and they did all of the back and forth communication with the clients. And there were designers who did all of the, the imagery and everything. And there were people who just bought ads and there were people who just created reports like there were people for every different job but when i started my own business i had all of those hats and you you had to be all the people yes (laughs) and you'll remember i have worn many hats before so yeah yeah yeah. (laughs) so it wasn't a huge stretch but it was i was a little worried because i didn't know you know i'm great at doing the social media management and Mm. and doing the writing but can I do the rest of it? I don't know. So kind of had to learn pretty fast. And I guess, yeah, I, I feel like I did an okay job at it. <laughs> but now that I'm growing even more and getting more and more clients, I think I'm at 12 clients now. Mm. Um, so I now have a full-time employee, um, which is amazing, and uh, an intern who's part-time. Um, I just had an intern who finished her internship on Friday and one who started today. So, yeah, mm. it's exciting. So, like, who does what in WordCraft? Ooh. Um, so I do all of the strategy, like the big thinking. Um, so if I onboard a new client and we need to develop a strategy that shows them, you know, when they'll post, where they'll post, how often they'll post... Mm-hmm. Um, what exactly they will post, mm. different, what kinds of analytics they'll track, um, how we'll answer comments and questions, like what kind of tone and voice we'll use, <clears throat> all of that stuff. So I, mm-hmm. I work on those things. I also develop the content plans. So usually we create a month's worth of content at a time. So all of the posts uh, for that client. So I'll create the sort of... Uh, like the framework of what's going to be on that content calendar. Mm -hmm. And then Courtney, my full-time employee, she will start writing all of the content based on the sort of guide that I've created. Mm. And then Mm. we'll put it all together. Um, And then the intern 
she's the one who schedules all the posts. Yeah, um, like, you know, working with Nestle, do you still do the, like, uh, the answering of the, um, uh, you know, like comments, comments. and stuff? Uh, not anymore. So for Nestle, well, I'll do whatever they ask me to do, like I said. But <laughs> right now what I do is I write their email marketing campaigns. So if they have new product launches or contests or stuff like that, then I write their email marketing campaigns. I also help them write like internal documents and some stuff for their website. So it's not a lot of social media. It's more more writing. Um, so yeah, it depends on the client. Um, but so like, oh yeah, go ahead. Yeah, no, uh, most of my clients, I do social media. It's just Nestle's a different beast and I don't really want to lose them. So I just do whatever they want. I mean, it's <laughs> Nestle. Are you kidding me? Yeah. <laughs> like, you know, uh, I mean, it, it's almost kind of like a Cinderella story. Uh, it really, because like, you know, it's an agency with all these many people and then they're like, no, we're going with this one person. <laughs> That's like amazing. Like you did something very, very right while you were there for them Apparently. to stick with you. Yeah, yeah. So it, it, it makes me think, though, when it comes to writing, like copy and stuff. What are what's your approach to that? Um, I keep it simple. So um, the simplest language is best. I write the way that I speak or the way that I think that the client would speak to. Mm their audience. So often you have to think about who is the target audience for this. Mm -hmm. So like, you know, if the target audience is moms, well, how do they speak? What kinds of words do they use? What's important to them? Mm -hmm. um, and that's how I end up writing. So mm -hmm. you're always, whenever you're doing social media, no matter what it is, like whether you're deciding where you should post or how often you should post or what you should post, you always have to think about that target audience who are we trying to attract because mm -hmm. they want to see themselves reflected in that social media like they want to be able to identify with it so mm -hmm. you really have to think about who they are who you're oh. attracting yeah hmm. so so like um i guess that means a lot of questions once you are once you're taking on a client like you know what they yeah. do all that stuff yeah so when i when i onboard a client and we're starting to develop a strategy the main things that I want to know are what are your top three goals for your social media? And usually for every client, it's like increase sales, get more engagement or more followers or whatever it is on social media and, you know, make people more aware of my brand or my company. So it's usually some sort of like most people have the same goals, but it's just a little bit tailored to each client. Mm. Um so we use those goals as a basis of how to how to then proceed. And mm -hmm. then I also want to know from them, who do you think your target audience is? So they tell me who they think they're attracting. And sometimes it's not just one audience. Sometimes it's sometimes there are two different audiences. Mm -hmm. So um, so then it depends on what kind of content you're creating you know, which audience it is that you're thinking about. Oh, uh, okay. Hmm. And some clients have like one audience for Instagram, but a totally different audience for LinkedIn. So when you're creating content, you kind of have to tailor it a little bit to the different social media platforms. And so once you have a client, you just do all of their things. So it's not, I'm only going to do your Instagram, 
uh, you know, I'm not going to do your Twitter. It's all of their social accounts. Yeah, usually. Yeah, mm. most of my clients are on Facebook and Instagram. I have some that are also on LinkedIn or Twitter um, or TikTok or whatever it is. Oh, how um, do you do TikTok? That one is interesting <laughs> to me. It is interesting. Um, yeah, it's a lot of fun. It really, like most, a lot of my clients, I'll tell them that, you know, they don't need to be on TikTok. Some of them, I tell them that they should be there. Again, mm. it depends on the audience. So if their target audience is on TikTok, then they should be there. If mm-hmm. their target audience is not there, then like, let's forget about TikTok. So mm. yeah, but TikTok is, yeah, it's uh, it's a different world. It's a little bit different from the other social media platforms because it's all video. Yeah, so um, do you, when, you're, when you have clients for TikTok, are you the one responsible for the video or is it them? It depends. So sometimes, Sometimes you have to be there. So so like if the client is showing like behind the scenes things or if they're showing tutorials or things, you know, it depends. Sometimes they have to do it. And with my guidance, like I'll give them, I'll let them know how they should do it and, you know, uh, you know what it should look like, what kinds of hashtags they should use, all of that stuff. Um, there are some times that I can produce the content it really depends, but mm. and then you mentioned hashtags though. How yeah. do you know what is the right hashtag to use? All right, I love hashtags. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, but how do you know? Because, like, you know, do you just like, yeah, what do you do? Okay, a bunch of different things. So, for Instagram, um, you should use a mix of hashtags that are like location specific so maybe like hashtag halifax or or whatever it is um hashtags that are specific to your industry so if you're a photographer then you know like you know wedding photographer um wedding photo ideas stuff like that uh and also hashtags that are relevant to your target customer so hashtags that you think your target customer might be following already so if you're a wedding photographer, then maybe they're following, you know, wedding planning, hashtag wedding planning, hashtag, you know, wedding plan ideas, hashtag wedding dresses, whatever it is, stuff like that. Mm. So if you use a mixture of those three things, mm-hmm. location, your industry and your target audience, then your your hashtags will work harder for you, I guess, technically. Mm. Um, also, I usually caution people from using hashtags that have been used too many times so what what equals too many times so when you're uh looking up hashtags on instagram it'll tell you how many times it's been mentioned um so if it's been mentioned like 300 million times or something like that then chances are your whatever you post is just going to get lost like no one's going to see it so it's not worth it um so instead i tell people to use a mixture of hashtags that have been used like maybe a thousand times, uh, 10,000 times, and also hashtags that have been used a hundred thousand times or 800,000 times. Just so the the ones that have been used only about a thousand times, you will stand out in those because not as many people are using them. Mm -hmm. So if someone's following that hashtag, they're really quite likely to see what you've posted. Mm -hmm. The ones that have been used like 800,000 times 
you will appear at the top right away, but you'll you'll disappear pretty fast. So mm. you'll get a lot of use for it right away, and a, a lot of people might see it that way, but it's not going to last a long time for you. Whereas if you post, if you use a hashtag that has only been used a thousand times, you're going to stay at the the recent um, on the recent page of that hashtag for for longer. Mm. Does that make sense? Mm. Mm. <laughs> <clears throat> Excuse me. So here's one though. Um, when you see people follow hashtags, like how do you do that? Like yeah. I, I didn't know this was a thing. Oh yeah, yeah. So if there's a hashtag that you're really interested in, like say you're a bride and you're planning a wedding and you want to follow the hashtag, you know, wedding planning, um, you can search up that hashtag and there's, you know, when you look at the different results for that hashtag, you can follow it. There's a button. Oh. And then, and then that's what's see... going to be showing on your thing, on your... Yeah, in your timeline, mm. um, you will see every now and then you'll see something that's like hashtag wedding planning. It's a post that will show up in your timeline. Oh. So it's almost like you're following a friend, but it's the friend is now in the hashtag. Mm. Yeah. So you can follow okay. like industries or ideas or... Gotcha. Whatever mm, it is. I didn't know that. Okay, yeah. well, so... so um. Instagram, I mean, I, I I think I already know the answer of this to this, but I'll ask anyway. Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, all these different things. Which one should like a company or, or a brand focus on? Well, so like I said, it's like it's all about your audience. Um, <laughs> if your audience is there, then you should be there. Uh, that being said, like Facebook is has the widest audience. So the the most people are on Facebook. It's got the biggest audience. So if you want to hit as many people as possible, Facebook might be your place. Um, Instagram has a very wide audience as well. And so does TikTok. TikTok is climbing up there. Like it's becoming one of the biggest platforms. So it's mm. it's good to experiment with it for sure. Um, mm. Twitter is falling to the bottom. So unless you're like, Unless you're a celebrity or uh, a sports player of some kind or um, a politician or in news or something like that, then Twitter is usually not the place for you just because mm. it's like, it's really declining in usage. It's the graveyard. <laughs> is it that a graveyard? Is. Like? <laughs> <laughs> kind of is. But like, yeah, because to me though, I think I'm just uh, partial to Instagram because I'm visually inclined and um, what's it? TikTok. I don't know. I don't even know what is happening there most of the time. Like, what am I, I watching? I know. People our age, is like, <laughs> it's a bit of a mystery. Um, uh, yeah. And um, yeah, so I don't really, really use Twitter much. I mean, like, I don't know. Anyway, anyway. I'm, so I'm the same way. I, I prefer Instagram. Instagram is my favorite and, and LinkedIn as well, which is kind of funny because LinkedIn seems like it might be a little bit of a boring place because it's the like professional networking place. But if you have a business where you're selling to other businesses like I am, a mm. B2B business, then LinkedIn is the place. Like it is great. <laughs> you can get loads of engagement and leads like I will have people contacting me, sending me messages who who are work for companies that want to work with me. Like it's how mm. I get customers is through mm. LinkedIn. It's really 
you know, it's a good place. It's yeah. Cooler, it's cooler than you might think. Okay, so we're talking of Instagram, right? But and I don't know where if this started on Instagram or wherever, or maybe YouTube. I don't know. But like influencer marketing, right? Yeah. Like, do you ever use that, or like, what's your experience in that? Like, at what point should I'm a brand? I'm like, what point should I go and meet this influencer to talk about my stuff? Yeah. So, well, yeah, I've done influencer marketing for for some some of my clients. There's different levels and different ways to get into it. Like there's there's one easy way to sort of start with influencer marketing. And I'm doing this with one of my clients right now where we have a list of different influencers that are in our industry, in the client's industry, that they would like to work with maybe someday. Mm-hmm. So we've got that list. And every week um, I have my intern. She goes through the list and she leaves a comment she likes a recent post by that influencer. She leaves a comment on behalf of the client um, that, you know, it's not a not a comment that says, you know, buy from us or whatever. It's just a comment that says, wow, this is a great recipe. We can't wait to try it. You know, it's like something that has to do with what they posted about. Mm-hmm. And then that client ends up showing in those influencers um, notifications. So they're like, there's been a comment from whatever client it is um and it sort of warms up that influencer so that they're aware of your brand so that when you come calling and saying can i send you some product in exchange for a post or whatever it is that they'll be like oh yeah i recognize you you've been commenting on my posts for the last three months so and that's completely free like you can just do this on a regular basis have a list of influencers that you really would love to work with um and you know, even better if they're like nano influencers. So these are the influencers with, you know, maybe they only have 2000 followers. Maybe they only have 8000 followers. They're not the ones with like the Kim Kardashians with like millions of followers. Like Mm -hmm. those people are never going to notice you. Don't bother doing (laughs) this. (laughs) The, The smaller influencers, they will notice you because they're actually checking their own accounts. Like they're checking their notifications the big ones, they're, they're, they're not looking. <laughs> they either have a team of people or they're just not not looking at all. Yeah. Um, so that's a free way of sort of getting into influencer marketing. Mm-hmm. Um, but then once you want to actually like spend some cash and when we're talking about cash, I can't even tell you how much it's going to cost because... Yeah, that's all I was going to see. Yeah. <laughs> there's no price tags. Like... Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I wish there were. <laughs> I wish it was. I wish you knew how much you had to pay exactly. an influencer. Exactly. But, but like no one knows. It's you negotiate, and you know you don't know where to start. You don't know if you're going to offend them or if you're going to be spending too much. It's such a weird thing. <laughs> like it's a bit of a mystery. So usually I would create a budget and just see if influencers are into that budget. Mm. That's all I can say. Um, but you really have to check your influencers, like do some background checks on them. Um, because I did, I worked with a company. Um, I, so one of my clients, actually it was Manulife Bank. They worked with an external agency that set up the, that helped them do the influencer marketing. Mm-hmm. So this other agency chose the influencers or recommended different influencers for Manulife mm-hmm. Bank to work with. And no one really checked those people overly well Mm -hmm. 
it ended up a few months months later one of them had he was <laughs> he was a member of some like alt-right facebook group or no. something yeah yeah it was bad um, oh my god but no one had checked i mean he was in that group under a different name so it would have been kind of hard to check anyways but mm-hmm. the media ended up finding out and he was an influencer and so they had like the media had called out all of these different companies that had worked with him mm. anyways we were one of them so that was oh, pretty bad oh boy so do your checks check as much as you can like <laughs> if you think you're done checking keep checking <laughs> <laughs> but like what would you check like so you it's... go with the person's name and like kind of scrub also how far back should you go though because mm. I, you know I'm, I'm i'm of these things where someone now gets a job in 2021 and they're like oh in 2016 you said something and yeah I know. you don't have that job anymore yeah, I don't know if there's any rule. It's just like you got to try and find as much as you can and just make sure that these people are, they align with your company's values, essentially. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it can get messy if you find something or if the media finds something out later and then mm-hmm. calls you out for working with them. So yeah, it's essentially like Googling their name. Um I mean, if we had Googled this person's name, we would not have found this <clears throat> alt-right group because he was in under another name. I'm not even sure how the media found out. Mm. Um, but also, you you should check their followers. Like, people buy followers. This is a thing. Like, what? people buy them all the time. You wait, can wait, buy wait, like... you can buy thousands and thousands of followers, but they're like bots. Okay. All right. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So <laughs> you're you're not stuff, buying people. It's just numbers and shit. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. Exactly. Like I saw some pictures recently, um, of like it was, uh, like a a bot. I don't know what you call it. Like a like a bot sweatshop kind of thing, <laughs> where they had this one woman sitting and she had this wall and the wall was just all mobile phones. And they were all different like accounts. So she was in charge of all of these bot accounts. Like apparently this is something that people do. So you could buy like all of the followers that she had on her wall. (laughs) But they're bot accounts. I know it's crazy. Um, Social media. Wow. (laughs) Because then, you know, I'd say, you know, I have 20,000 people, but then. Maybe 10,000 of them are not real or even more is not real. Yeah. Because you, uh, you pay me uh, higher at 20,000 than you pay me at 1,000. So Exactly. Yeah. So that's why people buy followers because they hopefully can get more from companies and brands that work with them. Mm. But if the brands just look at their list of followers and you see a whole bunch of accounts that maybe have zero posts... and maybe they're following like 500 people but they only have one follower or stuff like that then those are red Mm. flags like those are those are not real followers those are fake followers and you can do the same thing by looking at who has liked their post so if you look at the likes and you see you check you like click on some of the accounts and you see that they're you know they have no posts and they have (laughs) no followers then mm-hmm. those are bot accounts. So those are some red flags to, to oh. look for. 
Interesting, interesting. Mm-hmm. Okay, so you know we've been we've been talking about this. Well, something just came to mind. Um, a couple of weeks ago, months, weeks ago, Burger King put up a post on oh. was it maybe a Twitter? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yes, that would have been March. Yeah. It was a couple of months ago. How, how would something like that happen, right? Because I'm guessing they have like an agency, like where you were working yeah. and stuff. Yeah. And then there's someone working on this account. But like, how would something like that happen? All right. So, yeah, this was the Burger King International Women's Day post on March mm. 8th. I'm not sure if it's still up there or if they took it down, but I would say, I would say suspect that they took it down anyways it was a post that said that women belong in the kitchen so that was what they posted for international women's day which seems Mm -hmm. super super out of touch but it was part of a campaign where they said that more women should be like more female chefs should be in kitchens Oh, man. Um, I know when I saw it, I cringed because like I I get where they were going with it. But by using something that's like clickbaity for International Women's Day is very tone deaf. Mm. So it did not go over well. And yes, it was created by an agency um, called like David, David of Miami or David Miami or something. <laughs> Uh, it's an agency run by men. I'm just going to say it. <laughs> <laughs> um, so obvious. <laughs> but yeah, I don't know. Someone thought that was a good idea to like, because it did, it, it got a lot of attention. <laughs> yeah, but not that. the one, the one, but not the type of attention the one that does. So. No, no, not at all. And yeah. it was just like, yeah, it was done. I just thought it was like quite insensitive the way it was done. Mm. Um, but yeah, they totally hired an agency. They paid that agency, I'm sure, a lot of money to come up with that campaign. And I'm not sure how it was approved, but it was somehow. Mm. And these things happen. Like people will approve things and then it goes live and you shake your head. <laughs> And like, how did that get out? Like, you know, they should know. put checks and checks in place. Because, like, once it's out there, it's out there, right? And even if you delete it, someone took a screenshot of it. So, Absolutely. Guaranteed. Yeah. Guaranteed. Yeah, yeah. You can't delete anything. <laughs> so, um, okay. I mean, you know, I've taken so much of your time. But I'm going to let you go on this, though. You, you went from, like, okay, I have to do this thing because, like, I'm alone, me, my son, like, you know, I have to. And now you are, like, at a more steady pace, you know, uh, definitely a better place than you a couple of years ago. Um, What are some things you have in plan or, like, plans you have for the future of Wordcraft? Well, I plan to keep expanding. Like, I would love to build this into an agency into a social media marketing agency right now I mean it it's almost there like I don't know I don't know when I'll think I'm no longer just like a small business to like an agency (laughs) I'm not really sure um but yeah so I would like to be able to hire more people especially hire women you know hire um people from different cultural backgrounds Um, And give them the chance to work at an agency with some really cool clients, sort of like I was given when I started working at the agency. Like, 
it was a great opportunity for me and you know led me to build my own business which is amazing mm. um but you know i want to pay people really well i want to give them opportunities um you know like i'm my team is all women right now i'm open to hiring men as well but <laughs> mm. but i do love giving opportunities to women because i know you know People think that it's all equality now, that, you know, women are e being, are equal to men, but it is not, like, as I've seen, it's, that's not the way it is. Um, mm. So I want to be able to offer that. I especially want to be able to offer people in rural areas, like I'm living in um, cool jobs, working with cool brands. Um, so that's why I'm still living in little Yarmouth County. Mm. and doing this um there are no other marketing agencies around here in yarmouth county so you know i'm hoping to contribute to the to the economy here you know bring new people here um yeah that's what i want and then you know i i know i said that was the last question but as we were talking something just came to mind like you know with the pandemic everyone's working from home yeah i've been doing this for years because of you know those reasons you have but now like, is that something you're also going to consider when you're hiring people, like giving them that opportunity to be able to work from wherever they want to? Yeah. So my full-time employee, uh, she lives in Yarmouth as well. So we're together physically. We're, we're bubbled right now, even though we're on lockdown. Um, but my intern, my last intern was in Halifax. Uh, my new intern is in Bridgewater. So they're, you know, they're remote because of the way that things are right now mm. um but yeah i'm open to working with people wherever they are um i'm you know i, I have a lot of experience with remote working yeah, and yeah, yeah. i have things set up different ways of working with them so that we feel like we're working together as a team even though we're not together physically mm. um yeah. Oh man, Ingrid, it's always great talking to you and you always have this way of making me laugh and giving it to me just like it is. So I'm <laughs> gonna go check out some hashtags to follow because I didn't know that was a thing. Yeah. Uh and uh I you know, glad to hear that Warcraft is becoming kind of where you wanted to go and I can't wait to see how big Warcraft will get to just don't do anything with uh, the cannabis industry. <laughs> You know, I'm not gonna say I'm not gonna say never, but <laughs> but I I can guarantee that I will not become a cannabis marketing agency. Like I will not specialize in cannabis. Yeah, but I'm yeah, not I'm not gotcha. gonna say no to any clients. We'll yeah. see what happens. <laughs> okay, thank you so much, Ingrid. <laughs> thank you.